Well, good morning, everyone. Happy New Year. Did you see it in? Did you see the New Year in? Oh, come on. Yes, I did. No. Probably an hour. Who likes being encouraged? Who likes encouraging others? When Pastor Louis asked me to bring a challenge on the first Sunday of the, of the year, I wondered what we really needed to be challenged about, what we needed to hear, what I needed to be challenged about. And then I read this amazing article just before Christmas about a church in India. And I, I was so encouraged by it and it struck me that encouragement is a key thing. And uh, we all need a bit of encouragement in our lives. I'll share a bit about that church in India later. Um, in the meantime, don't go to sleep because uh, I'm sure you'll be encouraged by the article. Now, what's your experience of church towers? Anyone been in a church tower? Anyone been in the church tower here? I've got to admit, about 65 years ago, I was in there. I'm pretty sure it was a Sunday school class. If it wasn't, it was a few young blokes mucking around. But I got into a bit of trouble over it and got dragged out of there by the ear, would you believe? Now, I won't mention the teacher's name because um, he's probably got some ad uh, relatives still in the church here. But it, uh, it taught me a lesson and it encouraged me to show some respect to people. Some respect. Now, then about 50 years later, I had the privilege of being pastor at Gateway Baptist in Launceston. It was called Memorial, opposite Morty's Food Hall. That was a good place to have a church. We had lots of meetings in Morty's Food Hall. But the church has got a tower that's a lot higher than the tower here. And just before we finished up there, Edith decided that it would be good for us to climb up this tower to the top. Not us, her. She went up with one of the elders and uh, it wasn't that I was chicken or anything like that, but someone had to look after Rita's handbag. <laughs> I mean, people could have walked in off the street quite easily. So I had to do the right thing as far as she was concerned. And it didn't matter how much they tried to encourage me, there was no way I was going up there. The enclosure, is about a metre square. And it's not a stairway, it's, a, it's ladders, it's rungs, and about 40 rungs in this enclosure, it's about a metre square. How would you go in that? I don't know how I'd go, because I've never tried it. So what is it about church towers and me? Well, I'm not the only one that's had a bit of a struggle with church towers. We went on the European river cruise wonderful cruise, and in that cruise we spend a lot of time wandering uh, through various European countries and we were amazed at the churches, the old churches, 
that we kept coming across in, uh, in various towns through Europe. And we were fascinated by them. Some were really ornate, some were huge, they were amazing. Some, we were told, cost a million dollars a year for maintenance and insurance. How would you be forking out a million a year for that? Something for the leadership here to think about. Anyway, in Austria, this guide told us about a tower at one of the churches and they were to celebrate the 200-year anniversary of this church. But there was a problem. The bell ringer got crook and wasn't able to be there. So they had to advertise for another bell ringer. And when he arrived, the minister took him up the steps to the bell tower, 150 feet up. 150 feet. That's just under, what, 50 metres? Up and up they went, huffing and puffing until they finally got to the top. And when they reached the landing, the bell ringer, exhausted from the, from the climb up there, tripped and fell, face first, <laughs> into the largest bell that was there and set the bell ringing. Can you imagine the noise? Boing, boing, boing. Can you imagine his face? <laughs> Dazed by this blow, the bell ringer stumbled back against a handrail and the handrail gave way and down he went. 50 metres to the ground. Now, the minister got down there as fast as he could, obviously not as fast as the bell ringer, and he called the ambulance. Do you know this man's name? The ambo said. No, said the minister, but his face sure, sure rings a bell. <laughs> boom, boom. You could see that coming, couldn't you? Any golfers here? Just a few golfers, great. Back in 1995, you might remember, Greg Norman had a pretty commanding lead in a major golf tournament. It was in the Masters. And then he blew it and got beaten by a guy called Nick Faldo. And after the disaster, Greg said, I experienced the most touching few days of my life. People from all over the world contacted me with encouragement. And he went on to say, the response from people changed my total outlook on life and on people. And he said, maybe this is better than winning. I never thought I could reach out and touch people like that. And the amazing thing is that I did it by losing. And then he made this famous statement, as you can see on the bottom of the screen, isn't encouragement wonderful? Isn't encouragement Wonderful. How do you feel when someone encourages you about something? Gives you a bit of a buzz, eh? Well, it does me. Let me encourage you, though, to keep your face out of a large bell. Seriously, well-known author and minister William Barclay said one of the highest Christian duties is that of encouragement. He says, it's so easy to pour cold water on other people's enthusiasm. It's so easy to discourage others. The world is full of discouragers, even in churches. And we have a Christian duty 
to encourage one another. So what does the Bible say about encouragement? He says, scratching his head over a few evenings, I thought I'd have a quick look. Would you believe I found more than 50 references to encouragement from nine books in the Old Testament and 15 books in the New Testament? There's something for you to go away and look up. I'll check on that, Graham, and make sure he understands what he's saying. So it's fairly significant, isn't it? For, for it to be mentioned so many times in scripture like that. Hmm, maybe we could be here all day going through all those. I probably should have warned you to bring a cut lunch. For example, we read in Hebrews, encourage each other daily. How often? How often? And look at these verses from the book of Acts. Judas and Silas said much to encourage and strengthen them. Paul travelled throughout speaking many words of encouragement to people. Paul and Silas met with others and encouraged them. Aren't they wonderful words? And that's just a snippet of all the references that I could take you through this morning. You see, encouragement was one of the main strengths of the early Christian church, and so it should be, not only for them and then, but also for us and now. Do you agree with that? If you do, say it with me. Encouragement was one of the main strengths of the early Christian church, and so it should be, not only for them and then, but also for us and now. And what excites me even more is that there are some great encouragers here at Olston Baptist. Many people encouraging others, and it's so beautiful, and it's very much appreciated. Let's face it, as William Barclay said, there's enough people in the world with the gift of discouragement. One of the best examples, as I've already said, is in the book of Acts. The Christians, during a very heavy time of persecution, were scattered and some of them ended up in a place called Antioch. So what was so significant about Antioch? Let me paint a brief picture of the city. Listen to this, it had a population of half a million. So it wasn't just a little country village. The main street was more than six kilometres long. Pretty big area. It was the only city at that time that had lights on at night, streets were lit. It was the main centre for luxury and culture. And with all that, it was a wicked, immoral city. Yet in spite of it being so wicked, and in spite of all the persecution that the early Christians were experiencing, a strong, effective church was established. And one of the keys was the way they encouraged each other. And so the church leaders in Jerusalem, which was about 500k away, sent Barnabas to Antioch to see what was going on. You would have thought they could have found out by ringing the church office, wouldn't you? Or email or Facebook or something. Anyway, this was a new experience for Barnabas, but he loved it and he praised God and he praised the people for the great work that they were doing. 
Barnabas, filled with the Spirit and with faith, did what? Did what? Encouraged Saul and the church. So what? So what? Empowered by the Holy Spirit and encouraged by Barnabas, the church became stronger and grew larger and larger, worshipping God in wonder and awe. Awesome, eh? Do I hear a wow? Is that what we want here at Olson Baptist? Can we see the remarkable benefit from encouraging others? Friends, let's be encouragers. We need people like Barnabas and we need to be people like him. Say that with me. Let's be encouragers. We need people like Barnabas and we need to be people like him. I remember when we were ministering in Georgetown, I often met with a pastor of another church and he was usually in tears when we met. I don't know how I had that impact on him. Seriously, his church was really struggling and people in his church were being very discouraging, being critical of any suggestion to change anything to make the church more relevant to the Georgetown community. So he was concerned that the church was likely to to close within the next year or two. And as he was sharing his pain with me from time to time, I couldn't help but be encouraged as I thought about the beautiful people at Georgetown Baptist where we ministered for seven years and their openness to change and the way they encouraged each other. It was just beautiful. They were a great mob. I hope I'm not the only one that knows that everyone in the Bible had times when they needed a Barnabas. Didn't matter how super spiro they were, everyone needed some encouragement. And I'm sure it's true to say that we, we have all needed someone to stoop down from time to time and reach out a gentle hand and pick us up, to encourage us, to have faith in us. Everyone needs an encourager. Let me share a couple of simple illustrations, true secular stories, but with a really good meaning. Firstly, the effect of encouragement on my dad. Our family has a tradition of going to the Burnie Athletic Carnival to watch the running of the mile or whatever they call it nowadays. You see, dad's name is in the program twice as runner-up in the late 1930s. And in one of those races, as they were coming into the final straight for the last time, dad started to pass the leading runner. I wish I'd have been there who elbowed him in the stomach, causing him to fall to the ground, winded. Dad's lying there in pain as other runners are going past him. And then some of his family apparently started yelling out, come on, get up, you can still do it. And Dad told me that it was just the encouragement that he needed. The what? The encouragement. And he jumped to his feet and took off, passed a number of runners and finished second to the elbower. And his coach, my grandfather, 
said Dad received a bigger applause from the crowd than what the winner did. The second illustration is about one of the greatest composers ever, Beethoven, who overheard someone practising one of his pieces of music. And no doubt some of you, many of you, would have heard this story before. As he listened, a young girl, he heard a young girl saying, I wish I could hear a real musician play this piece properly. And Beethoven knocked at the door and found that the girl was blind. And he sat at her piano and played for hours into the night. The lone candle in the room burned out. But the moonlight shone beautifully into the room. Beethoven was so inspired by the beauty of the moon and by this blind girl that right there and then he composed one of his greatest works, the Moonlight Sonata. Beethoven encouraged the girl and the girl encouraged him. Friends, let's determine to encourage one another, to put courage in one another, to put hope in one another, to put heart in one another. At home, I've got a folder of scraps of paper of sayings that I've heard or, or read or picked up from somewhere over the years. And I found this poem on a scrap of paper, and I'm sorry, I don't know who wrote it, but it's good, and it's so appropriate for today. It's called Build Up or Tear Down. Can you read that clearly enough from where you are? If you can, say this poem with me. I saw them tearing a building down, a gang of men in a dusty town. With a yo-heave-ho and a mighty yell, they swung a beam and a side wall fell. I asked the foreman, were they as skilled as the men he'd hire if they had to build? He laughed and said, oh no indeed, common labour is all I need. Those men can wreck in a day or two what builders had taken months to do. So I asked myself as I went away, which kind of role am I to play? Am I the builder who builds with care, encouraging people everywhere? Or am I the wrecker who loves to frown, content with the role of tearing down? Do you get the point? Just think about that poem for a moment. Where do we see ourselves fitting in? Seriously, where do we see ourselves fitting in? Let's be the encouragers, not discouragers. Let's be the builders, not tear us down. Let's continue to grow in encouragement. As I said, there are so many references to encouragement throughout scripture, including the story of Barnabas, the encourager. And, as they, and they contain a vital lesson for us, a fundamental lesson, a key lesson, an important lesson for us to take notice of. The church was encouraged. The leadership was encouraged. The people were in encouraged. The church grew stronger and in numbers. The church was respected in the community. Praise the Lord. Let it be so for Alwaston Baptist Church. For Jesus' sake. Amen. Now, if you're still awake, you've done well. But we're not going to pass that basket of lollies around again. Let me encourage you with this wonderful story that was in Vision Christian Media 
just a couple of weeks ago. We hear so many negative reports about Christianity and about the church and about the dropping of numbers and churches closing and less people worshipping in so many places. The story is about Calvary Temple in India. Now, this church started in 2005 with 24 people and now has over 300,000. Despite or because of heavy persecution, 3,000 new believers are welcomed every month. They run five services every Sunday from four o'clock in the morning until well into the night. People gather in three rooms. The main room holds 18,000, another holds 15,000, another 3,000 and hundreds more watching on screens scattered throughout the complex. They serve free breakfast and lunch and dinner for 50,000 people every Sunday. How would you like to be in the kitchen? No, thank you. <laughs> Go on you, Carolyn. And they provide free medical treatment for members every Sunday. And they say one of the ruling keys is that of encouragement. Has it worked there? Can it work here? One of the real keys is what? One of the keys to the development and growth in the church in the book of Acts also was what? Encouragement. Here's a note of encouragement I picked up from Vision Christian Radio and I'll leave it with you to encourage you. Keep believing. Say it with me, keep believing, keep hoping, keep seeking, keep praying, keep praising, keep caring and keep encouraging. And no doubt there's many more that you can come up with but that's all that they had on their sheet of paper. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the examples that we see throughout your word throughout the world. Thank you, Father, for the many people who have been encouraged to do amazing things and the many people who are encouraging others to do amazing things. And Father, we thank you that you have encouraged each one of us through Jesus. And we thank you for the encouragement that that brings us every day, every moment of every day. And we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.